Hello, everybody. This is Pastor John Dillon, and I'd like to welcome you to the very first ever Two Trees podcast. Allow me to introduce to you my friends, Jacob Kessling. Well, it's up, Podcast World. And Martin Listener. Hello, everybody. We'd like to thank you for dropping in, and we know there's lots and lots of Bible content floating around there in podcast land, and we'd like to thank you for giving our show a listen. If you like it, leave us a review. If you don't like it, well, God bless you anyway. Uh, but we are here to talk about angels and demons, ghosts, the pagan gods, and the weird forgotten corners of the Bible. We're here to talk about the beliefs of the ancient world, the way they talked about the supernatural world, and to help you understand the people of the Bible, to engage on a deeper level with the text of Scripture. We're here to help you get over being bored with your Bible, how to see the patterns and the literary designs of the ancients, which they used in the scriptures as they were led by the Holy Spirit to write the Bible. But most important of all, we're here to talk to you about Jesus. As Deuteronomy 10, 17 describes him, the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, mighty and awesome. So guys, I'm super glad to be here with you. We've got the fire lit. The microphones are plugged in. Are you guys ready to go? Let's go. I'm just finishing my pizza, but I'm ready. All right. There is pizza here on the table. It is uh, from a restaurant whose name I will not give you because I don't know if we're supposed to do that. Hashtag not. Hashtag not some other place. Okay. Uh, But what we do want to talk about is... This is a Bible podcast. We're going to talk about weird and odd things. We're going to talk about ghosts. We're going to talk about ancient religions. We're going to talk about lost civilizations. But really what I hope happens as a pastor is that people dig into their Bible more as a result of listening to this podcast. I hope that people are reading more, studying more, and they understand more about the Bible in general. I think we're going to talk about uh, a lot of the texts that we as pastors like to skip over. Um, A, A, because they're confusing. B, we don't have a clue maybe what they're saying. And uh, we like to say it's because we don't want to confuse our congregation. But we're going to start tackling some of those things that we skip over. Another thing is is just really being able to understand um, how the ancients would have understood uh, some of these topics and stuff. Again, I didn't know any of this stuff four years ago, and and this has been kind of mind-blowing for me personally, and it's really helped me um, get a better grasp of Scripture, but also just bring it—it's just alive again to me. New Testament texts are jumping out because I'm getting a better grasp of Old Testament text, and so— we wanted to include you in on our journey as we uh, go through this podcast together. Uh, journey. I like that band. It's really good. Um, Martin, when you're reading the Bible and you hit something odd or phrases that don't make sense, uh, you're not a pastor. We're both pastors, but you are a fellow podcaster and a friend of ours and just loving on Jesus. But what's your what's your go-to reaction? Are you a dig into the Bible kind of guy or a move past it and hit something that feels more natural? Uh, well, I am not a pastor, but I was at one time the fastest sword driller uh, in the county. So yes. uh, a little bit of my background there. Uh, uh, but uh, as you mentioned... fastest draw in Miami County. But as you, you mentioned... Uh, my, Did you like duel on the streets with people? Was that like, were there like Awana showdowns? Did you get a medal? They, they got scared of me, though. I mean, I was out there holding the Bible up ready, but... We need to get them a t-shirt. 
for that quick draw. Yeah, and have his Bible over his head all times. So I think can that would look good on a logo. We we have zero <laughs> swag, but maybe one day that will be on the uh, the list of things we'll do. I love we'll, it. We'll shelf it for now, but. Uh, uh, as you mentioned my podcast a little bit, I have to plug it, you know, selfless plug here, but, uh, uh, it talks about the knowledge that we had growing up and then getting that knowledge up to where we are now as adults. So like you mentioned, when we hit a passage that may not really make much sense or is just weird and whatnot, I used to just like you guys do skip right over it, get past all of the genealogy stuff, get past all this and just get to the meat of it. That's kind of my personality in general is like, let's not do all the fluff stuff. Just what do I need to know? And let's move on. Uh, But recently I've been really looking to meditate more on certain verses and diving into the stuff that seems the weirdest because that's where you get the most out of. So uh, that's definitely changed in me just over the last several months talking with you guys. So I continue that would be great. I think the weird stuff is fun. I think it's important. And uh, I, I it drives me nuts when you're checking your Bible notes and the footnotes and you're like, oh, this this is confusing. And so you dig in and you're like, op- open up to where the notes are and there's, there's nothing. There's like four paragraphs on the part that was obvious and you understood right away. And then the part that was confusing, they've got nothing to say. Yeah, the study again. Study Bibles have been a great tool, and it gives you, you know, correlating verses, that kind of stuff. But I never captured most of the things that we've been talking about over the last few years. And so, again, this has been eye opening. And again, the problem here here's one of the things that I know that we'll get pushed back on, and just know that this is going to happen. We're going to talk about stuff that's some of the things that are going to seem new. And if some of you've been in your Bible all your life, you've been to church all your life, you've been studying the Bible, you've been to Bible college, you've been to you got your degree in in Bible. Um, anything new often throws red flags. I just, I'm just, just telling you that. Mm. Uh, just know that we went through this too. Um, and and as we kind of search the scriptures, not just listening to you know individual teacher teachers or whatever because they have a persuasive argument, but going back in the text, it's like, oh my word, this has been such a great journey. So just. Don't write us off too fast. Don't jump away. Um, just listen. I was I used the word consider some time ago. Am, am I willing to consider if it's coming from the text? Am I willing to consider it, even if it's weird, different, or something? Not what I learned as I went to Bible college or got my degree. Am I willing to consider? And so when I got myself to a place of considering, it really um, uh, allowed me to open up my eyes and my mind to to what the text is actually saying. And so we're gonna just throw some things at you. Don't. Hop off because it's weird. Stick with us, and it'll unravel as we go along. And uh, it'll yeah, be great. and, and, and I really, think John, part if I of can this, jump oh, in. Yeah, Sorry, uh, you guys mentioned the study Bible a little bit, and it really popped into my mind. Just like you mentioned in the intro, there's so much content out there with the Bible. There's so many different ways that you can read it, and so many mm-hmm. resources that you can go to uh, to get the information that you need. But like we mentioned here with this, the idea is for you to get yourself into the Bible and and see what you get out of it yep. when you read it and when you really study it. And that was my experience in the last several months to a year now was I, I could just listen to somebody or I could, you know, get the flannel graphs out and know what's going on, if you will, with my air quotes there. But when you're actually going in and studying it yourself, that's when it really digs into you mm-hmm. and you understand and it I think much that's, better. That really is going to be one of the major highlights of this podcast is we're going to be talking about things that the Bible hints at, that the Bible mentions, and then it doesn't go into tons of detail about. It leaves these concepts floating <laughs> as though the Bible is kind of saying, these things exist, and I'm going to tell you 
not a whole lot more about that, John. Tune back in after you're dead, and right. I'll, I'll tell you more about peeve. that. Like as you see this this account, you know they're they're going into this uh, into this country, and it says, "And the sons of Anak were there," and it just carries on. It's like, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. the the sons of Anak, yeah, the, the Nephilim, uh, and you're like, well, I thought those guys died in the flood. Right. Where'd these yeah. guys come from? Mm. Uh, and there's there's just tons of supernatural, wonderful, creepy, scary stories in yeah. scripture. It's mysterious. But I feel like as a pastor, part of what people expect you to do is to strip away the mystery and leave me with like three things to do today to be a better person. And I just don't think that's what the Bible was made to do. I don't think it's a self-help book. I think it's the words of God. And that by reading scripture, I'm sitting in the presence of my God. He's speaking to me. I'm speaking to him by praying, by fasting, by reaching out to him. And I think the better we are at reading his word, the clearer we'll hear what he's saying. I think uh, this is going to be, again, a great journey for us. Why do you think that, like, you don't hear some of this stuff come from the pulpit, though? Like, aside of the confusion and that kind of thing, do you you feel like that most of us are unaware or we're uneducated in some of the stuff at our seminaries or... You know, again, was this hidden? I hate saying like this is some kind of mystery that's now being revealed. But. No, I don't think it was hidden. Nothing that we're talking about here is going to be new. It may sound new to you, yeah. but none of this is new to anyone who's really been studying old weird books for a long time. This is content that goes way, way back. But you only have 30 minutes in the pulpit to talk about an idea. And usually you want to make sure you get you know a, the gospel first and foremost. Yeah. You want to make sure you're explaining the text I grew up in a King James only background where you spend 10 minutes explaining what the English words mean. Right. Uh, and so then you're down to 20 minutes. Um, and I think part of it just is the role of the pulpit hasn't been used to do this. And uh, a podcast is a great way to do this. Yeah, Jacob and I and Martin, none of us go to the same church. Uh, we all go to different churches, but we're friends. I work here at Stillwater. You work at Whatever River the Valley. name of your new church name is, they change it like every couple of years to keep <laughs> things fresh. And uh, you're a Covington Christian guy, which is a real pompous name, don't you think? Uh, like, well, you we know. are the Covington Christians. The rest of us are something else. That's right. I don't know. At least we're not first. We didn't put ourselves first. Yeah, first, yeah, that's you know. good. You know, the first saying. should be last. But uh, when you get into reading the Bible... I think many people who sit down to read it are pretty confused by what it is they're looking at. Uh, A modern book and the Bible are incredibly different in the way they approach concepts and ideas, the way that they teach and tell stories. Mm -hmm. There's just a huge difference between the ancient storytelling method and a modern one. Uh, For instance, if you read the Gospels, you're going to find out pretty quick these things aren't in chronological order. They just didn't care. If I wrote a biography of somebody and I didn't put it in chronological order, no one is going to publish that. Like The idea wasn't to give a blow-by-blow, event-by-event-by-event of Jesus' life as much as it was to work with the details. And, And that's caused lots of people that I know confusion because the Gospels read differently. The order isn't the same. Have you guys experienced frustrations as you've read the Bible? Not at all, John, sorry. Mm, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, of course. And and like you said, there's, there's so many different ideas that we don't quite comprehend. And I know we're going to go through a whole bunch 
uh, that you have slated out for us in the next several episodes. But but you're exactly right. When when we think about that, a lot of people think that, uh, well, it's just the translation is different because they used a different word and, and there isn't an English word that matches it or something. That's the first thing that I go to is just it, it's the pure language that we don't understand. But mm. the more I, I listen to you specifically get into the nerdiness of the Bible, there is so much that we just do differently. And if you think about a, trying to learn a foreign language and their dialects and sure. and everything that goes along with that, that's almost the way it is with reading the Bible when we grew up in, you know, little town USA over here. As far as exactly what you're just mentioning, from the chronological, the order of it, to the verbiage, to everything, the the uh, the symbolism that goes along with it. Like if you picked up a biography of, I don't know, somebody, you would expect, uh, you know, to get some background about their parents. You know, where are they from? What was the town like? Their childhood? What was it like growing up there? Maybe a description of what they looked like. What I mean, you, you would get lots of useless details. Well, the, the stuff that we think is important. Yeah. Right. But it doesn't really advance the story. It just is there to paint the picture. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is obviously short on details, like Moses. Right? What did Moses look like? He had a big Charlton white beard Heston. from one Charlton of Heston. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We don't we know. know. We, know. we don't know what Moses we saw looked the movie. like. Uh, what did Jesus' home look like? We don't know. What street was he living on when he was in that? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell you. And the, the main point, I think, of this whole segment is just that's what we on earth and we in the United States prioritize. That's what we want to know. Yeah, we want an X marks the spot descriptor. And we would write the story that way if we were writing it. And that's why it gets frustrating when we try to... And the ancient peoples didn't talk that way. They didn't approach storytelling and teaching that way. When the Bible gives you details, it's important. If it tells you they're going up a hill or they were by a river or they named some weird town whose name you have a hard time pronouncing, it's not random. It isn't just that the author thought, you know what, I'm going to give you a little bit of extra detail here. It's always the words are chosen by God on purpose and for purpose. They're there to tell us something. And as soon as I realized that, that even the parts that I thought were just artistic flourishes actually had spiritual significance, it messed me up. See, I always added a bunch of flourish when I needed a couple more words to hit the 1,000 word mark. And yeah, we called the, that the, fluff. I you don't know, know that. what you called it flourishes. I, I called it whatever it took to get the, I know what you called it, but <laughs> we're not going to say that on this podcast. I, for me, the, the frustrating part, I guess, is I went through Bible college and stuff that I would often hit stuff and have lots of questions and usually would be, um, Hey, you know, don't worry about that right now kind of stuff, but we never came around back, back around to it. And I mean, like stupid stuff. I, um, not necessarily the creation story, but like when Adam and Eve, I, I was always taught God can't be around sin, yet he approaches Adam and Eve in their sin. And then he approaches Cain as after he killed his brother. And how come he didn't kill Cain? And, you know, who was Cain afraid of killing him? You know, they were, God had to mark him. And I, like all the, I just had lots of questions. Um, I'm just one of those guys that love to ask why. And uh, Tower of Babel, I'm like, okay, so he just divided a bunch of people's languages, and they all kind of like figured out, okay, do you speak English? And, oh, hey, let's go over here and camp out over in this area. Like, I just didn't make much sense of it. And, I, again, I just figured the Bible is just very vague on it. I don't, it doesn't explain. It doesn't know. So I just kind of kind of forgot it. But 
there's just a lot of stuff like that. Um, why was God going into cities and totally annihilating them? I mean, I was taught that you know they were just so wicked, wicked, evil, um, and you know even the babies. So I'm like, well, what did the babies do? Well, he knew that what they were going to do later on. Anyway. Those are the kinds of things that really frustrated me. I didn't have answers, yeah, but we talked about God's attributes. We're going to talk about these kinds of things. Will you yeah. pull the reins in on him? He's on like episode 30 already. Yeah, right? well, we're going to get I, to those. We're not going to do it in the introduction, but I, right. we're, we're going to hit this stuff. <laughs> like, not now, though. There's only one pizza. <laughs> that's all that's left. <laughs> and so this is this is happening as far as it can be. Uh, but they the when we talk, you want a straightforward answer, right? That's that's what we're after. But when Jesus was asked straightforward answers, he, he responded with questions. That's true. And we would look at that. If, if somebody came forward, like when the rich young ruler goes to Jesus and says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus turns around and says, why do you call me good? If I responded that way on Sunday, the deacons would be after me the next day. You really screwed that up, John. You had an opportunity (laughs) to further the kingdom, and you dropped the ball. Um, But that's how the ancient peoples told their stories, how they talked. They were focused on meditation. They were focused on thinking. They were focused on enchantment, and scientific accuracy wasn't always a priority. And if you think of like... In modern times, in movies and just everyday life, I always got in trouble when you answered a question with a question, right? That was always the thing. Don't ever answer a question with a question. If someone asks you a question, you answer it. And that's kind of right what you're going along with. But, yeah. but Jesus was the opposite. He said, because I'm never going to answer your question was without a question. He was teaching not to fill in the blank and get the right answer. Mm-hmm. He was asking people to use the brain that he gave them. And to seek after him. Scripture's pretty clear. You'll seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. He's not hiding from us. But I think Christians do a lot less wondering than they should. We are so confident in I'm right and I understand all the things there are to understand that we have sucked the mystery out of things that are supposed to enchant us and draw us deeper into Scripture or worse, we're afraid of them, and we don't let people ask questions, as though by asking a question, somehow we're doubting uh, the very fabric of the faith itself. And things that were intended to draw us deeper into the Scripture instead have been turned into stumbling blocks on the road to following Jesus. So when I was just thinking, like, the idea when people read Scripture, like, what does this mean to me, seems to be kind of like... Um, the mentality we have today, and what we're going to talk more about is what did the author mean when he wrote it to the audience he wrote it to, and that will help us better connect with what applications are then for us. I think it's important to know that the Bible means something to you, that you got something out of it, especially, you know, and that can change depending on the circumstances of your life, but the meaning is in the text. It says something. And if all you're interested in is finding out what you feel like it means, then that's one of the most self-focused things I can think of saying. That this, I don't really care what God is saying. Right. I want to know what I'm What's thinking. What's your truth? I, that stuff drives me nuts. It yeah. really does. And and the Bible is not a modern book. It's not answering modern questions. It's asker. It's answering. The questions that people have been asking since the very beginning, and it does so in ways that we might be uncomfortable with. Um, 
you mentioned a moment ago, red flag. If every, I, th- I hope everyone listening to this knew exactly what that phrase meant. But if you asked Moses what a red flag was, he would probably not have any idea yeah. that that has a cultural meaning to us. If I was to tell a story, the setting of the story would matter. For instance, if I set the story in Auschwitz, you would draw uh, an assumption about just the place I've put the story changes and sets up what's happening. The Bible does the same thing. Yep. If a story is happening in Babylon, it has a very different feel to it than if it's happening in the countryside uh, around Bethlehem where Ruth takes place. The places that are seem to us just like old-fashioned, hard-to-pronounce names that we just run past are real places with real people, and there's stories connected to these places, beliefs connected to these places that the ancients cued in on right away. Just like we would cue it. If I said a story in Las Vegas, it would have a different feel than if I said it in Washington, D.C. These are places we know. The culture of those places, we know. We would expect a gambler's story in one and a politician's story in the other. I, I'm from West Virginia. Which one's which? Oh, it's up to you to decide. Okay. Like, I'm from West Virginia, and as soon as I see people read that on my resume, they're like, oh, like instantly jokes start popping into their head, and, and they're surprised that I own shoes. And it drives me nuts, you know, personally, because it's, it's offensive to me. Uh, and, but it's assumptions that people drag with them into the way we picture the world. So you're saying what you're saying, and, and I, I, we've said this before, is that the Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. No. It was written for us, but not, but not, to, not us. to us. Thank you. Thank Meaning you. I got that there was an original audience who were living people with their own cultural identity, their own background, their own places, all of which had history and meaning to them. Uh, for instance, uh, garden, right? We see one of the very first things we have a man and woman in the garden of Egypt. And when I think of a garden, personally, I think Or the of, garden of Eden. Yeah. What did I say? Egypt. But we could have a garden of Egypt. Well, I guess you could have one of those. <laughs> They're leaving Egypt, right? Uh, garden of Eden. And uh, so what you got there, when I think of a garden, I think of like cucumbers, a bunch of tomatoes, tomatoes yeah. on steaks out there. I, I like to grow some peppers. Is that what they pictured when they said garden? That's what I picture, though. But that's not what they pictured, no. No, or I, I might picture like a state park or like a uh, a nice vacation rental, like on the beach somewhere. Tropical paradise is a modern Westerner, a little obsessed with when I can go on vacation. We think of those things, but how would an ancient Egyptian have pictured a royal garden, like an oasis, maybe? I think the visual changes. The way you talk about these things change. Most temples in the ancient world came complete with gardens. There were beautiful places where the animals were, and they believed that the god walked in the garden. And so when we read in Genesis, there's really the real one. All these others would have been fake counterfeits of the legit beginning, the archetype of these things. And the Bible cues you into that, but so long as you're picturing the flannel graph board, you may you may draw up a little short on these ideas. Yep. Yeah, so they had like, pools with with fish and they had 
uh, all kinds of uh, you know plates. These are these are these were made even in the temples and stuff. And yeah, they were part the of the temple. Yeah. Uh, the ancient Sumerians built them to look like mountains, like they built like pyramid style. And the hanging gardens of Babylon are kind of an example uh, of this idea uh, that they just valued different stuff. Yeah. We value individualism. And our freedoms and, you know, our, our ability to travel fast and communicate far. We like comfort and democracy. Ancient Israelites didn't care about most of that stuff. They were really interested in family in a way that we're not, in kingship, in basic comforts like, is water. this water going to make me sick or is this living, clean, running Water to them, they had meanings to things like high places. In the Bible, that phrase becomes synonymous with places of worship. It, it, it sometimes it doesn't even see say places of worship. It just says the high places, uh, and that's because gods were worshipped in high places, not because they were trying to get a little bit closer so that the god could hear them. You know, he was leaning down. Hey, what what's that you say? Uh, but the idea was that they were leaving behind the normal world and drawing closer to the divine presence. It was a way of showing instead of telling. And we do this in Christianity, but in different ways. Uh, in the Middle Ages, they did this with stained glass windows. Most people couldn't read. And so you set the space off as special by putting the gospel stories in the windows. And so people could go in and see it. By seeing this building, I'm getting a lesson about the greatness of God. And one of the things that they would do is they would build their temples up high. It was a way of showing what they were doing. If you want to find a temple in the ancient world, just go find a hill where people were living and dig on the top. You're going to find one. That's that's what they yeah. were doing. But we don't build our churches on top of hills. To us, it's more important, you know, hey, what's the price of the property? Mm -hmm. Is this ease of access? How's the parking? Those kind of things. They just didn't or what's worry the about demographic that stuff. of yeah. people. Uh, they talk about things weird. Um, demons, for example, to kind of go the opposite direction. If you were worshiping an evil deity, instead of going on top of a hill, you would go down in a cave. You would go descend into the underworld or go out into the wilderness where stuff goes to die. In the Bible, when it talks about powers of darkness or demons, it uses uh, descriptor words like they're wild animals. And that's not because David couldn't tell the difference between a jackal and a demon. It's because he was linking the two ideas. This is a creature unseen in the darkness. If you were to go out into the wilderness, you know, with, by your little fire, and out in the wilderness it's pitch black, but you hear the movement of creatures in the dark, that's what they were linking it to. And so in the Bible, it describes them in terms of animal language. It says jackals and owls. It's not really talking about jackals and owls, and it's pretty clear when you read it that Either these are some freaky, freaky dogs that it's talking about, or there's something else going on here. And uh, we're just not comfortable with that. Our goal has to become to understand the way that they spoke. And when you talk about the 
the demons and the, the evil being the wild animals. It's it's to me it's almost conditionalized because when you're a young kid trying to go to sleep and maybe you're a little scared because you can hear stuff outside or even just the wind and whatnot. It's so easy for your parents to just say, it's just the wind, you know, that that kind of stuff doesn't exist and monsters aren't real and, and this, that, and the other. But it seems like we're kind of fringing on that a little bit um, when we go about that. Now, I'm not saying that there's demons outside your window wrapping on your window pane, but there's almost this inherent trait in us as humans that we have that feeling or we have that distinction of like, this is a scary place because Mm. this is what it's kind of been linked to, even in the Bible. Like, this is where the bad stuff is. So as you open the Bible up to the very beginning, Genesis 1-1, it ultimately is, you know, telling us, again, opening a narrative. Um, Again, if if we're slow down a little bit, um, something that's going to really flow into the entirety of Scripture. And... I don't know why I grew up in, uh, or I, you know, all my Bible college and that kind of stuff. I didn't really learn a lot about spiritual warfare or demons. I mean, you learn how to, the armor of God and all the other stuff, but you don't really. I didn't really understand, have a good grasp or understanding of what was happening in the Old Testament or New Testament um, in the sense of the evil realm or the yeah. unseen realm or however you want to label it. Um, but now that I have a better grasp, it seems as though the the opening verse of Genesis. Um, is 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 unraveling something that's far bigger than just a real quick verse that most people have memorized. You know oh, what I mean? Like, oh, for sure. We only all know it. Yeah. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. So when we hit that verse, most of us, I think, would be tempted to read that in terms of a science statement. Right. That God is talking about Pluto and whether or not it's really a planet. You know, God made it. Is it still on the list or is it gone? It is. Is it still on the list? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it got reinstated. But in my heart, it always was a plan. Uh, <laughs> team Pluto. You're just my leading truth. me on. It's my not, truth, is it? Pluto's I'm here. pretty sure it is. I'm, I'm not kidding. You just, I'm really excited. It's not just that. Mickey's dog. Like It's a real It's a real plan. Look, I have a five-year-old, so I watch a lot of Mickey Mouse. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I'm an expert. Yeah, he, they mess those, those placemats you used to have at your table. All, all yeah, the next. placemats, man. They taught me <laughs> more than any teacher ever did. I, I learned my presidents. I learned... They took Pluto away. You're falling apart. It like, was on oh, the no. placemat, man. That's, that's there. That was a real thing. I was a little traumatized. But the Bible doesn't talk about the stars like I would talk about the stars. If if you were to sit down and be like, John, let's talk about the stars. I would assume we're having a conversation about astronomy. Yep. And I would try to remember, you know, the difference between my constellations, how to find the North Star. And I can do some of that stuff. But the Bible audience, these ancient shepherds or... Um, politicians, leaders, kings, warriors, whatever, they looked up in the sky and they saw lights come out of nowhere and move across the sky. There's not a whole lot of things that move. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, that's a sign of life. life. Living, yes. Um, the Bible even uses the phrase living water, which means running water, yeah. moving water. Uh, you don't get it out of a well. It's it's there's motion in it, and so they looked up there, and they thought, I don't know what that is, but it's apparently glowing, and it is high in the sky where where we I can't, can't go. go. Yeah. There's this other world up there filled with lights, and so they began to talk about the spiritual world 
by using the language of stars. The Bible calls the angels stars lots of times. It even calls the angels the heavenly host. And sometimes it's hard to tell exactly who it's talking about. Is this a science statement or are you talking about an angelic being? And so when we read in Genesis 1-1, a modern American, I think, is tempted to read this in terms of the evolution debate. Is this talking about the creation of the world? How did this all go down? And they've got Charles Darwin in the back of their mind. But I think an ancient person would have seen that as God saying, I have made two worlds. I've made a physical world, and I have made a spiritual world. This is this is so key what you're saying right now though. I mean, in this is just really understanding that because this isn't a really and I always thought heavens like you're just saying he splashed all the stars and galaxies out there and you know, he created this this dirt cuz this is all about me, hum, you know, humankind and that. But uh when you grasp this it's it, it's 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 clutch. Anyway, so sorry I interrupted. I just am, I'm kind of excited about where this is going. No, I I I think it's exciting. I think it's cool. Like, I'm not saying God didn't make the stars. He definitely yeah, did. He, did. He, he, he put the plan. All that's true. But he did more than that. But doesn't Job, it says that the stars the sang? The morning stars sang. sang. Yeah. <laughs> During uh, this creation there's process. There's this really weird place in the book of Judges where it says the stars fought against Sisera. And you're like, they did what? what? Yeah. Wasn't this battle in the skip, daytime? Skip verse, go to the next yeah, passage. Or in the book of Revelation where the dragon sweeps its tail and a third of the stars fall out of the sky. They connected these phrases, especially the phrase heavenly host ought to clue you in to the way that they're talking about. And this wasn't unique to the Israelites. The other cultures in the ancient world did the same thing. Uh, On cuneiform tablets, if they were talking about a God, a lot of times they'd put a little star symbol in front of the, the word. So you would know this is a God's name. Um, it just was part of the ancient cultures. So, John, why do you think that it goes like, um, you know, you have verse 1, the heavens and the earth, mm-hmm. and then it goes just to the earth. The earth was formless and void, and, you know, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters and the darkness or the waters of deep or whatever it reads. Yeah. Like, it seems to transition just to the earth. I mean, you said it kind of opens up this introduction of this these two spaces, mm-hmm. but then it seems to focus in on 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 the earth. Is there any of the glimpses in the Genesis story where you're going to see these two worlds? Yeah, okay. yeah. First of all, what in the world is the snake doing in the garden? Well, Who yeah. is this guy? What's he doing there? Eden seems to have been a place where the two worlds overlapped. God walked with man in the cool of the yeah. day. That's not normal. Other than Jesus and Enoch, if you read the story that way, God doesn't usually just show up and stroll with people. This this was a beautifully perfect mm. world in which the two were created to be expressions of the imaginative power of God. So Eden was the a space where heaven or where the uh, heavenly realm and the earthly realm overlapped were together. So. Yeah, it was a temple. Okay. A place where God oh, we'll was talk with about man. That one later. Yeah, and I know that's a big claim to make, and this is just an they introductory episode. No, there was no. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but uh, Adam and Eve were the caretakers of this garden. 
uh, it's the same words that's used later to describe the priests when they're working in the temple, tabernacle in the temple. It, I don't think that's an accident. Mm. The Bible uses language uh, of repeated words and phrases to link stories together. Um, we have in our culture, I love that Tim Mackey was the first guy I ever heard say this on the Bible Project, but he, he calls them hyperlinks. And I think that's yeah. awesome. This little blue word on my screen, if I click it, it takes me to this other web page, this older story. And I always thought, like, we must have invented that, like, when the Internet came around. But then I was real surprised to find out ancient Hebrews were doing the same thing with their stories. When you used repeated phrases and patterns, it links back to these older stories. And the authors were weaving layers and layers of stories one on top of each other to add meaning and power and punch to what they were saying. So I know I yelled at Jacob for doing this earlier, but I just thought of a question we were talking about Eden. Don't do it. I have to now. I right. just just every time we get together and talk, I get these questions that pop up. But you're talking about Eden. <laughs> That's and why it, you've got a microphone. You know, Eden comes in and is kind of the the transition between the two worlds, if you will, or, or where they collide. But mankind was created to tend the garden. Right. When I always think of Eden, I think of, of like a little heaven, right? Everything is the way it should be. It's just a utopia of everything. Why would you need somebody to tend it? Did it get, you know, out of sorts? Did it get overgrown? What was that? So what? Yeah, and if it's just them living in like a zoo, they're not tending anything. They're not keeping it. Their what? job would have been what? What's like, the upkeep of a perfect place, right? I, you know, if you they're, think of, the, they're the caretakers of it. I always think of Wally. It only makes sense if... Uh, Wally? Wally, you know, when they go oh, on the yeah, spaceship Wally, and yeah. it's like this perfect utopia and everything goes I was thinking downhill. like, who's Wally? Like, is, is that a guy I know? <laughs> yeah. Well, the other robot's name is Eve, so I just maybe... Is that the one the where a bunch of heavyset guys are floating around? On you got it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Because they go to this utopia and they don't tend to it, you know. Oh, but, gosh. but that's what I was thinking with with a garden is this: if it's like heaven, you know, when we get to heaven, are we going to have to be, you know, using the hoe and and seeding and stuff, or what? You know, is there going to be tending that's need to be done there, or is that the prequel was no, the garden? I, I think that's a good question. I, I mean, my my mind ultimately goes goes to the idea that God. Um, uh, created mankind for work, and I don't think it was tedious um, or difficult work. And, and perhaps it was, a, a, you know, where they placed their identity. I don't know. I, I was just thinking that a lot as you were as you were saying that. But um, the fact that God gave them something to do, it's not like God's like, listen, I have way too much on my plate. You guys are going to have right. to take care of this because I can't. Um, is pretty amazing thing in general, and I think we go. We'll we'll cover this stuff later on. But the fact that God shares um, rulership with humanity is yeah. just blows my mind. And I think that's really the biggest connection to the spiritual world in the story. That man is made in the image of God. We are made to image God. That is our job. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, and we'll have an episode just about. I what didn't it know means. God was so handsome. Uh, just looking at you know, the guys it's, in this it's room. It's not talking I mean. about physical. I mean, I am good looking, uh, obviously, but uh, that's, that's why we're on a podcast. Yeah, there's no video on this. <laughs> yeah, there's no video. Thank God, He's defended me from uh, embarrassment. 
uh, and I, and I mean that I, I'm glad to have some some distance. Uh, but the idea that God has made us to image Him, He is a spirit, and He is the Creator, He is the ruler, and we are to represent Him to the to this world. Instead, the Bible tells us that you know we try to make the world in our own image. Uh, that this world is a mess because mankind is a mess and because the spiritual powers are also a mess. There's, there's sin in the heavens and there's sin on the earth and God is fixing it. The power of Jesus is the story of the Bible and the redemptive call of Christ to call us back into following him and showing what it means to be filled with love and joy and peace to be the temple of the Lord as the Holy Spirit indwells us. These aren't just stories about, and that's where giraffes come from. That's not the purpose of Genesis. It's to set up the whole story. And I love the reminders that we get, something we discussed recently, and and this was thanks to you allowing me to stand up in front of your church, which I'm Still wondering if you're second guessing that at this point. Yeah, but, that, that that was a bad idea. Uh, yeah. But when you when you talk about the the Abrahamic covenant is what I was speaking on in that was false. You you did a fine job by and, the way. Thank you, thank you. And it, it talks about uh, you know God takes Abraham outside and says, "Look up at the stars." Again, mm-hmm. we come back to the stars mentality, and and we're made in the image of God because God is a spirit. Uh, you've mentioned C.S. Lewis quote about we are a spirit that has a body, not the right. other way around. So when Abraham goes up and looks at the stars. He says, number them if you will, but this is how your children will be. We take that now is that Abraham's going to have a lot of children, right? There's several stars up there, more than I can count on my fingers and toes. So, mm. But there's so many different ways that God could have said, hey, you're going to have a lot of kids. Mm. You know, look at the sands on the beach, and that's how many kids you're going to have. Look at the blades of yeah. grass in this meadow. And in other places, he does the numerical count. But to call them the stars... Indicates is, that there's is something. to indicate that there's a high calling here. There's Bingo. a specialness to mankind, and especially to the children of Israel. God was going to bring salvation to the whole world through the tribes, through Christ himself. And all of this is wrapped up in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Even when Jesus died on the cross, it has physical reactions on the earth. The sun goes black. The ground quakes, and then there's spiritual changes as well. The veil in the temple is ripped. The dead rise up and walk back into town. It isn't a one-world book. Yeah, Jesus says that the hour of darkness has come. I never noticed that, and this, you know, realizing that, Creepy. like the Chronicles of Narnia, where all yeah. the evils, cro- you know, coming in around. Here's the king. Here's the son of God. And we got them. So it's just, again, never noticed that stuff started jumping out to you as you uh, look at So we're going to dig in in the next couple episodes here to the language that the Bible uses to talk about the spiritual world. Uh, Today's episode, I hope you came away with the understanding that the Bible uses stars to talk about heavenly beings. I think next week we're going to talk about Satan. We're going to start at the top. We're going to look at, you know, how does the Bible describe the fall of Satan? When did it happen? How did it happen? What exactly is going on? Because when you read Genesis 1, it's not there. Yep. It starts and suddenly there's no backstory for this. And that has I've answered that question lots of times for people who are starting to read their Bible. And they're confused why it isn't there. Because if they wrote the story, it would start at the beginning and it would flow on. 
And so we're going to take a look at it. We're going to dig into what the Bible says about Satan uh, and how that affects the church and the world today. But I'd like to thank you, my friends, for tuning in to the very first ever Two Trees podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our rambles. I look forward to talking to you again soon.